It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We once had things in common. Now, the only thing that we share is our love for the patron saint of the show, Frank Ocean. It's top five Frank Ocean songs, and it sounds a bit like this. is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 334 of the No Encore Music Podcast Roadshow Spectacular. Uh, I, <laughs> Where I, are we going after this? We're going to the pub after this, man. Oh, are we recording not? Uh, sure, why not? Patreon episode. <laughs> You're uh, sitting opposite me. I know, it's very odd. It's Dave Hanready is my name. Craig Fitzpatrick's here. We're in Adam's studio for the first time together in, it's got to be six months, seven months at this stage. Yeah. Wow. End of your app. Yeah, Jesus. Midsummer. We're here here we are. I did say there in the exciting intro, like it sounds like this, but the top five Frank Ocean songs, which is what we're doing, won't be until later in the show. So, you know, if you're new to the show, which you might be, our top five may have drawn you in. There will be a timestamp. You can jump forward, but stay with us, because we're gonna talk about music news in just a moment. But that's right, Craig. Top five Frank Ocean songs in honor of Channel Orange turning ten years young last weekend. Yeah. And this time what we've done is we've combined, so it's not Dave has five, Craig has five, it's our five. The definitive five, I would say, of all time. best Frank Ocean songs, and it was tough. Yeah, it was really tough. The top Mm -hmm. ten is amazing, but we're not doing a top ten. I'll reveal the top ten, though. Oh, will we? But we're doing a top five. (laughs) (laughs) We're chatting about five. Exactly. Uh, So, yeah, chatting is what we do. Music podcast, no encore, in person for once. Uh, Feels weird. two fucking buses. Two buses, was it? I got two buses. I got two buses. (laughs) (laughs) I walked. It was worth it. I powered my way in the the dead heat in mid-July. Um, so yeah, uh, a happy belated, belated birthday, by the way. It was your birthday. Same to you, yeah. yeah. Ju- the July boys. July boys. Out force. It was your birthday recently. It was my birthday a couple of days ago. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I did for my birthday? Worked. I worked. Went on the radio. I went on the radio. And then... I fasted for a blood I test. <laughs> <laughs> like, well done, Dave. You could have planned it a bit better. I think I, wor- I didn't do any fasting. I think mm. I, I didn't have any cake, though. I yeah. turned down cake. 
Did you? So yeah. you did fast. Go straight to your thighs. I ate other things, but it wasn't kind of celebratory birthday grub. I ate other things. I <laughs> oh, did eat that day. <laughs> anyway, like I said, consciously might have new listeners who are like, what the fuck? Shut up. Uh, let's get to the music news. Although, first, of course, uh, if you love the show and if you love the boys who produce the show, Craig, Dave, and Adam, uh, patreon.com slash noencore for episode previews. We are way overdue in no aux cord, and I do apologize. Uh, as noted, I've had a bit of a bad mental health run recently. I don't want to use that as an, it's not an excuse. I'm just saying that there's been like a couple, like, Fruit. there's just been a couple of times when I've been like, I sorry, can't do it. Um, so, but I'm in better form slightly this week, thankfully. Um, we'll try and get it done soon. The point is, the Patreon is there uh, as like a reflection of the show being independent, and we try and give you bonus content when we can, but we appreciate all the support that we can get off anybody. And of course, if you don't want to pay, that's fine, but we would ask you to just tell a friend about the show, word of mouth, etc. Fun podcast, I I hope. And with that in mind, it's time to hit the music news section. Let's go. Hey, you heard about the good news? Another patron saint to the show there, Kanye West. We did a top five on him before, I believe, a while ago. Didn't we? We did, yeah. Did we combine then, or was it just five and five? No, we did five and five. Okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, probably wasn't the move. I don't know. Sometimes I do look at our kind of like, when we put out the tweet, and it's the top five songs, but it's like, well, it's two different top fives, you know? Two versions. Yeah, that's semantics, though, and it is time for that. You had time, though, to get on a plane... Go to Glasgow and go to the Strokes. <laughs> the uh, music news is I took a trip to top, Glasgow. It's the top it really news story. <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, massive saga. Real quick catch up, of course. Craig's been waiting years to see the Strokes at Primavera. Craig went to Primavera and the Strokes cancelled on the day that you arrived. Uh, you missed them. You came home. You got COVID. Yeah. Uh, and then you finally bounced back. Everyone's bouncing back. The Strokes are on tour. There has been um, online discussion about the potential welfare about Julian Casablanca as the frontman. Including at the gig that you went to. So you went to Transmit in Glasgow. I'm going to stop talking now and you can tell me all about your trip. First of all, Glasgow. I love Glasgow. Never been to Scotland before. I felt like this is like when you were five years old and went to Dublin. You're like, Dublin's amazing. I was walking around (laughs) Glasgow being like, it's like a better Dublin. It kind of feels a bit rough. It kind of feels like you might get glassed, but I liked that. Also, several stereotypes there being thrown about, but continue. Also, (laughs) walk around talking to people in Glasgow who are like pronouncing the name Craig as it's supposed. I felt like I was hearing my name for the first time. The Glasgow accent. Mm. It was just struggle with this. Americans, the Craig thing. This was like the opposite feeling. It was like, oh my god, can you do it? No, because I'm not gonna. I already did some stereotypes. I'm not gonna try a. Oh yeah, please do. Craig. (laughs) It's a bit more. The vowel sounds a bit Brody, more open. Okay. A bit less throaty, I'd say. It's a more it's a, a deeper warmth of Craig. <laughs> that, was, that was like the Lewis guy. Probably more Aberdeen, I don't oh, know. Okay, fine. But the point is you felt Glasgow's accepted. cool. You felt it was the hottest day of the year. Yeah. Um hit up transmit pretty late on, because I hadn't been to Glasgow, so there was a lot of um sightseeing and do, yeah. the lineup was a bit I think they had like the bootleg Beatles kicking things off. I'm a big Beatles fan, but you know, um, there was various acts. Miss Fontaine's DC, despite bumping into their manager on the flight over. I was did like, you tell I him, like, did you tell me you're going to go see the boys? And then no, you I, didn't, I didn't specify. I said I was over for the strokes and you understood. I told you to go for the show. I would have gone, but Glasgow was calling, man. Once okay. you're there, it just sucks you in. Did you go see Wet Leg? 
I didn't see wet leg. I didn't see self esteem. This uh, review is. Adam, I gave this guy homework. This is a joke. I didn't see Jimmy Eat World Eater. For fuck's because, sake! Because I made of, you a playlist. <laughs> I made, not for, you didn't make me a playlist for this specific trip. Well, listener, I guess. It, sh- it should be pointed out. Well, it could be very um, readily applied. I was, was 100% going to Jimmy Eat World, but unfortunately, they were on. Sorry, it doesn't sound other, like you were 100% going to Jimmy Eat World. I was 60% going to Jimmy Eat World. They were on the other stage, and it was overlap with the strokes. Okay. So I couldn't actually do that and I want to get close enough so sure, I arrived sure. for Foles who were perfectly grand mm-hmm. and it was like it was very much like festival in the middle of a city and people just go every year regardless of the lineup and all the buzz was Paolo was a bit shite yesterday <laughs> Paolo Natini like fa- favourite son of yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah and apparently he wasn't great but I don't know what to believe anymore so maybe he was amazing um, Foles did their thing it was a bit Yanis was kind of doing his, okay, I need everybody to sit down, all right? And then you're all going to jump up together. And I it's think not going to. Corey w- Taylor. <laughs> I just, that gimmick, man, I can't. It's good at a Slipknot gig. Spanish Sahara was amazing. They shuffled off. I think, I believe there was some controversy around that as well. Maybe a song early. And uh, then Yanis couldn't get side of stage for the strokes. And, and he, he went to Twitter and gave out about it. Up a fuss the yeah, next day, yeah. yeah. Uh, about one of their five tour managers or whatever, something like that. The best part about that was uh, someone saying that the new abnormal is better than anything you've ever done, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and he responded. Did he? I think he did, yeah. Like, it, there was definitely something underneath from him. I can't remember. I think he was just like lol or something. Yeah, he was like lol. Um, but yeah, that was an interesting thing. So we're, we're we're passing like the nine o'clock mark. They're due on stage about... Whereabouts are you? Because I saw the physical lineup of this thing. And it's kind of a weird one in the sense that like, you know, I guess most festivals like this, but like, if you look down the front, there's this massive strip of where all the security are. There's like a left left and right kind of yeah. pens and stuff. How, how close were you? What was your view like? What was the sound like? So I was just behind um, the pit, so over towards the right, just in the corner. So dead center, like the central kind of meeting point of that kind of cro- security crossing thing. I was just right there at the fence. Um, so perfect view. It was kind of elevated over the pit, which was great. Um, really good spot. So it's just after nine o'clock. Just after nine o'clock. And actually the kind of the separation worked well after having been to Primavera and being like, we could potentially die in this crowd. It was actually nice to have a few barriers and water was being handed out and that was all great. I'm nervous at this stage though because we've talked previously on the show about like reports from reports from Scandinavia, reports from Portugal, <laughs> Julian on the road. And um, they came out about 20 past nine, half nine. They were pretty much on time. And I've got to say, I was deeply, deeply disappointed that I'd been reading all the reports and working myself up because it was like the fucking Strokes festival set you would want. It was great. It was really, really good. I was buzzing afterwards. My sister was buzzing. And um, what were big takeaways? Julian seemed like Julian. I mean, you've been at, you've seen him in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And Twice, yeah. y- you've also seen him when people have been <laughs> like, Strokes being very disrespectful, and you're just like, this is a good gig. Well, it's this like, one, he, uh, I believe, he said that he preferred the Barrowlands as a venue, and he just dis- yeah, dismissed the crowd as a children's <laughs> choir. But he didn't dismiss. Like, if you're actually there, he yeah. kind of at the end of a song, people had been singing along, and he was he just kind of goes, "I'd like to say thank you to the Glasgow Children's <laughs> Choir." And it was just like yeah. it was funny, He's and a people, damn laughed. New Yorker, yeah. He's the front line of the Strokes. Yeah, but okay, I mean, like, 
again, this gig provoked the same thing. There was an article on the NME, lots of Twitter reaction. People were saying stuff like, I think I've witnessed the end of the strokes, was one tweet. Another one said, he, we're, we're watching a man turn into shame again before our very eyes. Yeah. I hope he gets help. Is there any chance that you're sitting here with blinders on? Because 100% like, be, not. Because to be fair, you know, for anyone listening, like, you know, we're not trying to dismiss and like you know if there is a genuine issue going on here you know you are an eyewitness like as, as were the people who tweeted so I'm just curious. I mean, like you are obviously like, you and know, I'm obviously like I'm up to speed with it. His kind of, you know, his backstory, and he's been very open about. I think he got sober in 2006 around first impressions of Earth time. He's been sober for 15 years. Hey, remember when I used to say that that was the best Strokes album just to troll you? <laughs> you still say shit like that it's all the time. It's a very good album. <laughs> it is. It's not as good as the new Abnormal or okay. Room on Fire or is this yeah. it? It's fourth. Different top five. Um, but, uh, you know, I've always maintained that post him kind of sobering up, he started acting stranger on stage because he's like kind of an awkward guy. He's got an interesting sense of humor. So, yeah, his whole demeanor is a man that is awkward on stage. That is kind of muddling true. And he was exactly like every previous time uh, I've seen him, or maybe 2004. Um, he was hilarious in between songs. There wasn't like p- people who talked about rambling. There was no real rambling. There was one moment that totally dragged and that was because um, Nick Valencia's it still feels ridiculous saying their actual names. <laughs> Nick Valencia, it wasn't Fab Moretti, it was Nick Valencia. <laughs> His amp wasn't working for like two or three songs towards the very start. So you're missing kind of, it, it was slightly working. It was kind of a dulled guitar um, which you would, you could kind of notice. So they stopped to try and get it fixed. And um, Julian improvised a song with Fab on keys. And I think we have that there, Adam, if you want to play a little bit. And this is his kind of general demeanor. Broke out your phone, did you? Him, <laughs> him pl- playing with a vocoder and coming up with a song on the spot. And this is like tweets here being like, this is the new Shane McGowan. He's, you, you know, here, you, judge for yourself. See what you think. Okay, I'll come, I'll come in. Just waiting for that amp to get itself together Get your shit together For once you are embarrassing us In front of 20,000 motherfuckers Hurry it up Oh baby, can't you see that I've been thinking about this song tonight? Oh now I got a little Sounding like a Maroon 5 song. Oops. Yeah, so that's him stalling for time. It doesn't sound like he's incoherent, doesn't know where he is, or is massively depressed, does he? I mean, you can never tell with people, but... No. You wouldn't... If you were witnessing that, you would be like, this is a fun bit of banter as they wait for an amp to get fixed. Yeah, but also, like, it's just... It's awkward as fuck, but but he's leaning into the awkwardness. And, like... I do wonder if a lot of people who go to Strokes are just like, they know last night and they're, they, they want this their big the son. They don't know anything about him. I, this is the thing. I'd imagine there was a lot of people in that crowd 
He's probably, a sarcastic prick. That, that's his thing. And probably have never seen The Strokes, probably haven't seen him since Is This It, and are just like, okay, he's like now a middle-aged dude with Why like a mullet. <laughs> and he's wearing like the army vest, yeah. and like the d- different colored gloves. <laughs> and they're probably expecting this slick like Brandon Flowers kind of performance, which, you know, is would have been great as well, but that's not what you're going to get. You're going to get chance, yeah. fucking New York, scruffy, you know, velvet underground loving, guided by voices loving band. Um, so that's what he did. It was like a typical Strokes thing. Even that, like, which kind of, that was about seven or eight minutes and it added to it for me. I was like, this is fucking hilarious. Seven or eight minutes uh, yeah. of that. Um, belting closer, the the finale was um, Ode to the Mets. I, I've I had a bunch of clips, but we don't have time to go through them all. But we can just, play one more. Um, Okay, I won't play. I won't play the Out to the Mets one, but there was a really touching moment where um, he dedicated Out to the Mets to a fan whose favorite song it was, who'd passed away, and his ashes were scattered to it. And there's a video on YouTube, which I just stumbled across yesterday, of his family in the crowd recording it, and his mom, like the kid's mom, just like. He starts introducing it and she's like, oh my God, oh my God. And then he says his name. He goes to Sweet Paul. I'll try and get through this for you. And she's just absolutely, the whole family is losing it. It's just, it was, and then there's an incredible, really emotional performance of Elton Metz. His voice was incredible. And they finished with Last Night, which they never do. And here's a little closing clip as he's introducing Albert Hammond Jr. I mean, he's very much doing his disaffected game show host thing there. Yeah. But also, I got a charge at the start of that. You must have gone so fucking great. mental. But also, then you see, like, the next day, tweets being like, I think that's the end of the strokes. And he's literally, they're having the most fun. Mm-hmm. His bandmates on stage are, like, bursting with glee. Like, they, to me, Albert Hammond Jr. is also someone that struggled with um, addiction in the past. He's now kind of completely clean. If his mate was... I, it's, there's no point getting into it because it's all speculation but you'd be like that wouldn't be the demeanour of his bandmates um, and yeah left buzzing people singing stroke songs it was a real feel good thing um, so stay offline is essentially my <laughs> only stream this podcast that's where you should get all your music news yeah exactly yeah I mean ultimately uh, I'm glad you had a good time thank you man after all 
all I know, yeah, end of saga, yeah. Okay, so from one uh, contentious frontman to another, uh, we kind of split the news duties this week, Craig, and you have picked a Paul Weller story. Yeah, because I just wanted to get in, fuck the Tories, because <laughs> he's praising Liverpool, which I don't love, but, oh, that was also brilliant. There was, in Glasgow, just constant chance to fuck the Tories. <laughs> At one point, Julian was just like, you know, Fab hates the Tories as well, and everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> Fab in particular <laughs> hates the Tories. Um, always goes to Fab to throw him under the bus. But yeah, Paul Weller is praising Liverpool FC supporters for booing the national anthem at the recent FA Cup final at Wembley, which I have to say, not always the biggest fan of like Liverpool fans when they're in Liverpool fan mode. Obviously, I love a lot of um, those people as people. Yes. But I'm very much on board with them, just like not sta- standing um, for not standing or putting up with the national anthem um, because of everything Liverpool has gone through. Mm-hmm. And Weller feels the same. He was performing at this Lytham Festival, which is also where the Strokes were playing, and Fontaine's DC. Apparently, it was a good night, according to Trevor Dietz. Take his word for it. Yeah, the manager of the Fontaines. Does Trevor Dietz hate me? Probably hates me. No, why would he? Because I've slagged off Fontaine's quite well. I don't lot. think he li- if he's listening, I if he's know. got this far with the podcast, he's probably. <laughs> yeah. I just think that like one of these days, I'm going to walk into the former garage. And he's going to spark me out of it. Not that he would, but like you know, no, spark yeah. I've seen he's, Trev. He's very protective of. I hadn't band. seen Trev since maybe pre-pandemic, and I've seen him twice in the last two weeks. That's weird. <laughs> I just encountered him. And get he's, him on the pod. He's just Trev. He's he's a lovely guy. Um, yeah, we should get him on the pod and talk about. Bring the Fontaines. Do you see? Let's do it. Let's book it in. Um, but yeah, at this festival I'll on Sunday. off. Uh, sorry, continue. It must be close to Liverpool, I'm guessing. Because Weller went, have we got anyone from here from Liverpool tonight? That's my best Weller. I would like to say whoever booed the National Anthem, thank you so much. Thank you from West London for standing up to those hooking. Anyway, that's another story. And then he said, please rise now for the new National Anthem. He did Town Call Malice, The Close which was great. Um, yeah, obviously, Weller, very outspoken politically. It was that great thing, of course, a few years ago when David Cameron was on Desert Island Discs and he said Eaton Rifles was one of his favourite songs of all time, which is a song about how awful people that went to Eatoner, like David Cameron. Um, and yeah, the quote from Weller at the time was, I just think, which bit didn't you get? So I think I just included a story that had some tenuous link to live music and then decided to praise Liverpool supporters. Um, All right. Let's move on You're unless you've got anything to add. After your strokes uh, situation. And speaking of giving, uh, well, taking, I should yeah, say. Yeah, in the spirit of <laughs> receiving, Spotify have received Hurdle, <laughs> the interactive music trivia game. Have you played, Dave? Only once or twice. And I found myself being very upset when I don't get, like, say, a Linkin Park song in the first one. Like, there's sometimes, yeah. Like, like, so yeah, if anyone hasn't played it, it's a thing where, like, you get, like, X amount of seconds it's like Wordle, you know, it's that whole, like, framed, the whole kind of glut of things that have fallen in recent months. Or fallen, rather, or fallen into the ether in recent months. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's fun, but I, I don't find myself really playing any of these games too often. Um, too I busy, st- mate. I stuck with it for maybe a week, because I just had a run of, like, getting them almost immediately, and it was stuff like, it'd be a Fleetwood Mac song. And then there seemed to be a run where it was all just, like, chart stuff that I didn't know any of it, so I just decided it was a stupid game. Um, But not stupid enough for Spotify, who have snapped it up. It actually, this makes sense to me, if you're Spotify. They've talked about it being more than a trivia game, adding that it's also a tool for musical discovery, which I guess it is, right? It's just playing you potentially new songs. Although I will say, if you don't get the song... Are you going to be loving the song you're hearing? You know what I mean? Are you not going to be like frustrated? Are you going to be going, oh, I need to check this out? These concerns are for the the bean counters at Spotify to worry about, Craig, not us. Um, how do you feel about Spotify? <laughs> 
these exciting new opportunities with the trivia game and their general master plan for world domination, Dave? Uh, I mean, I, I have a subscription. I am part of the problem, but it doesn't excite me. You should switch to Apple Music like me. And when I say switch, I mean get two subscriptions because <laughs> I'm currently doing that. Why? Because um, you forgot to cancel one of them, as always. I'm, I'm actually going to move. I think I'm going to move to Apple Music. Okay. It's it's become, catalog-wise, it's now as good as Spotify. I prefer the interface. And um, they pay more to artists, which I care deeply about. Look at this. Fuck Fitzpatrick, man heart. of the people. Bleeding heart works in advertising. <laughs> 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 advertising pays a lot to artists as well. Okay. <laughs> it's very altruistic. We won't get into the nitty-gritty of this stuff. We'll move on to the, uh, what we got next here. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's not do the legal story. Or no, we did? no, no, that's... no, no, no. Uh, the weekend. The weekend had to postpone his <laughs> Toronto tour kickoff last weekend. Yeah. Um, because of a telecom outage. <laughs> a nationwide outage of Canada's main telecommunications company. So Rogers, Rogers is the big the big boy over there. I've, of course, I was recently in Toronto. Oh, yeah. And had I been there at the time, I would have gone to this gig. So I would have been... And is everyone talking about Rogers telecommunications? Or talking true? I guess Rogers so. I, I, I messaged uh, Brother Josh and I said, what the fuck happened here? And he was like, lol. He said, yeah, he goes, the entire like network crashed for like half of the day, knocking out so many systems across the city um like josh's girlfriend eleanor had to like they couldn't take card payments or anything it was just like a proper it was a proper disruptive thing but like apparently i'm i'm wondering is it because of tickets like digital tickets yeah i guess if the show didn't happen like like it just didn't happen and it has to be postponed so uh abel tesve aka the weekend said um this one hurts the most and we'll make this show happen but unfortunately not tonight so an well, argument to be made uh, yeah. for uh, paper tickets. You know? Everything's on your phone now. You pay, you know, it's all cashless, the bars. It's yeah. Primavera was like the ultimate example of that, where you you literally walk through the entrance and there's a big like Binance thing, <laughs> like get your free flower NFT. Yeah, Meanwhile, yeah. they don't have like water fountains. But it's like you, you, yeah. you go through, like I went to my first ever GAA match recently and uh what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Richard Chambers asked me to go, so I went. You went on a date with Richard Chambers. Oh, I went on a GAA, GAA date with Richard Chambers. Yeah, to yeah. see who? Dublin? No, it was uh, Claire. Like Richard's. Oh, a, Richard's oh of course. He's a Claire man. A Claire man. Um, a Claire good at the GAA at the moment. It was the hurling, and it was the semi final. Oh, on semi final, it was Claire versus Kilkenny. Claire were the favourites, so Kilkenny hockeyed them, basically. Uh, no, hurlinged them. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they hurlinged them into submission. Uh, I had fun with the spectacle of it all, but yeah. I wish it was a closer game. Uh, it was kind of a sad. Yeah, that's fair. But it was cool to be there. Uh, but the point is going through like the old school turnstiles and then like sliding your fucking phone over through this like yeah. net this this prison bar thing and like them doing the scan. Doing the scan, as I believe it's called. Doji Cat was originally supposed to open for the weekend. And uh, let's talk about Doji Cat for a second, shall we? Um oh, please. So Doji Cat, uh, are we are we are, I've never really listened to her stuff. She has some weird kind of remix in Baz Luhrmann's Elvis movie, because you know that he does that anachronistic stuff. Yeah. Um she's obviously very popular. But I couldn't name you a single song. This is officially I Am Old, I think. Is she good? Um, I'm not sure. No reaction from anyone in the studio. <laughs> so, I want to believe she's good. I want to believe. <laughs> so anyway. Um, over here. My headline is this. Doja Cat enlists a teenager to hook her up with his adult friend. Gets mad about it. And also, it's yet another Stranger Things story. We've not been Stranger Things and the Stranger Things effect in recent weeks. But oh, yeah. um, this one's quite different. People so. are losing their minds. People are losing their minds. So, uh, Doja Cat, yeah, having a bad time. She had to cancel the, uh, being the opening act on the weekend stadium tour because of tonsil surgery. Um, and then 
essentially, the story goes as far as this, right? It appears that Doja Cat has a crush on the actor Joseph Quinn, who is 29 years of age. She's 26. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> the way you said that, I was like, is that now a problem? No, 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 no. no. It's because, like, Stranger Things is connected. It's a vulnerable age. Everyone's, yeah, you're like, you're about I to, certainly was vulnerable at 29. All, it's all about to go wrong for you. 29, I'm vulnerable, right? Oh jeez! Uh, well, listen, you seem uh, it's only gonna get worse, my friend. So, <laughs> Joseph Quinn, uh, who's been stealing the show in Stranger Things season four as breakout character Eddie Munson, a metalhead guy. He's the guy who does the Metallica thing. Um, okay. She tweeted once uh, and said, "Joseph Quinn, fine as shit." Now, is he fine as shit? Is he hot? He's a good looking guy. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, not in the show because I don't really subscribe to the you know, the long metal 80s hair thing. I've never okay. understood how anyone could find that look. But he's, but of course, inevitably with these things, you know, you go into their Instagram and of course they're like a sharp-suited, short-haired, yeah, yeah. you know, cheap But I wonder which, Much like yourself, Greg, which yeah. version it is that she likes. It's clearly the show version, right? I guess so. Um, different strokes. But like, essentially what happened was she was DMing Noah Schnapp, who is an actor on the show who plays Will, one of the kids, who's 17 now, I actually thought he would have been like 20 at this stage. I can't keep up with this stuff. So he's 17. She's DMing him. I, I don't love this. It's very Drakean. I don't know. Well, no, no, but she's not like, she's I know, she's not after him. She's I after know, Joseph Quinn, which is fine. Drake wasn't after anyone. No. Legally, we should point out. <laughs> what happens in those DMs stays in those DMs, according to Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, man. Um, anyway, the point is... <laughs> Have you missed being in the room with me? <laughs> oh yeah, big time, yeah. The, the whole situation here is that um, I guess it was Will You Shift My Mate, right? Yeah. So she's DMing Noah Schnapp. I don't know on what platform. Are they friends? I don't know what happened. I guess not. And she wanted her, wanted him to set her up with Joseph Quinn. Now, I thought she had a boyfriend. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe it's all fine. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing, right? Noah Schnapp, being a 17-year-old uh, plucky so-and-so, he posted their conversation on TikTok, which is not a cool thing to do. Uh, yeah. So, no. At the same time, he's a kid. She then went on some kind of Instagram thingamajig, which was weird because when she was talking in this address to the world, there was all these filters going on, like a cowboy hat and a dog nose <laughs> thing going on her and like just weird hearts going over. Anyway, um, she had things to say about this 17-year-old boy who she threw under the bus, and it sounds a bit like this. When you're that young, you make mistakes. You do dumb shit. I'm like trying to be super fair. You do dumb shit, you say dumb shit, you fucking fuck up relationships with people, you you make mistakes. Like, you're supposed to so that you know, you're supposed to do stuff like that so that you know not to do it in the future. Like, I, I did my share of fuck ups so that I don't fuck up again. Um, but the fact that this person, that Noah did that, like went and posted a private conversation between me and him is so unbelievably like socially unaware and whack. And like, you know what I mean? Like that's like borderline snake shit. Like that's like, that's like weasel shit. And like, I'm not saying that encapsulates his entire personality. Like Noah is not like, the definition, I, like, I, I wouldn't imagine he is. Maybe he is. He's 17. <laughs> if you look up weasel shit or snake shit in the dictionary, <laughs> there's his photo. So a couple of takeaways there. Number one was I looked over and saw Adam Googling photographs of Joseph Quinn. Yeah. Do you think he's good looking? Verdict. 
Yeah, he's a pretty good-looking guy. Okay, pretty good-looking guy. Yeah. Um, second of all, <laughs> I mean, I don't think what Noah Schnapp did was cool, but at the same time, talk, can you imagine if you were 17? Now, granted, he's a 17-year-old celebrity, but, like, this is... I never had to deal with this. Can you imagine if, like, you fucked up in some kind of, you know, yeah. romantic scenario or whatever, or some kind of social, like, faux pas, and instead of it being an angry text message... It's a fucking video on Instagram going out to the world. Now, apparently... It's kind of like for like, though. Apparently, she's lost over 200,000 Instagram followers <laughs> as a result of this, <laughs> which is incredible. Yeah. Strange things affect, indeed. Uh, do you have any opinion on this, Craig? Um, yeah, I have an opinion that Doja Cat is quite good because she did that song Kiss Me More with SZA, which we featured on oh, No yeah. Ox Chord last year. Yeah, um, and that good. was quite good. And also, I mean... 17 is very young, but thinking back to being 17, I don't think I would have posted someone's fucking private. Yeah. It just seems like an odd move, regardless of your age. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's like two wrongs don't make a right. I mean, then to imagine him watching that video. Oh. Yeah. What? There's no winners. Joseph Quinn, meanwhile. To quote Liam Payne. <laughs> three <laughs> There's three losers in one fight. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair. To be fair. Do what you got, because you didn't want to do what you had to do. Um, <laughs> no snap. No snap. Uh, because. Oh, my God. <laughs> He did, um, no, 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 did what he had to do. Uh, <laughs> no shot, no, no shot because he didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Joseph Quinn because he did nothing. <laughs> yes, outstanding. I love it. Oh. The point, Joseph Quinn, meanwhile, has, has, unlike Adam, has maintained a dignified silence throughout. Uh, let's talk about some forty-one. Some forty. Yes, please. Let's talk about some forty-one. Some forty-one's Derek Quibley has shared his thoughts on putting together a set list, explaining why he doesn't understand why Radiohead would, quote, perform nine songs nobody cares about, and then a track like Karma Police instead of crowd-pleasing hits. He was speaking to Enemy, um, and he said, basically, when you go to a show, you should be getting the hits. He's like, greatest hit set with some songs from those albums, never get enough attention sprinkled in. I don't know why I tour so much, but I realise I really enjoy seeing the joy, the joy on people's faces in the audience. I like seeing the excitement they have. I'll never understand a band like Radiohead, who I love, but will perform nine songs no one cares about, and then a track like Karma Police, which makes the whole crowd lose their mind. Why wouldn't you want to do that with every song? Dude, you're talking about Radiohead? What he's saying is all killer, no filler. <laughs> Essentially. I was thinking about this. I don't think... Radiohead have nine songs they could string together in a row that people don't care about. <laughs> like, if they did all of like fucking but, the first album, Pablo Honey. But Radiohead fans like are, know what they're getting at a Radiohead 100%. show. One hundred percent. You want the kind of the experimentation, the kind of surprises. Play creep that you don't play. Like, yeah, no one wants to go and hear like high and dry and creep and karma police. I mean, that's it. Still sounds great, but um, yeah, that's not very Radiohead. And if he's, I kind of understand this if it was like. Liam Gallagher saying it or someone with a bit of beef with Radiohead but the fact that he's supposedly a fan is mm. like maybe not that much a fan maybe he panicked I mean <laughs> I don't know I was having this conversation with somebody recently about and I remember like so friend of the show no popcorn coast Norma Howard did say that when she was at Primavera she really appreciated that like Megan the Stallion played her two biggest hits back to back at one stage mid set because it was like you know it's a festival I'll get them out like here they are and now you've seen them I, I know you're going to go on to someone else that's fine, like, it's a festival thing, but, like, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the act that you go see. I, I, I'm i in this mindset where, fair enough, if you're paying 100 quid or whatever it is to see an act, you want to see the hits. And, like, I've often said that my least favourite gig I ever saw was Smashing Pumpkins in 2008 because it was really disappointing. And one of the reasons why, one of the many reasons was 
that Billy Corgan just kept um, like speeding through the hits. It was so clear he resented paying, playing them. But like, I also don't like to turn an artist into a jukebox either. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. And I don't, I don't feel like Radiohead have that approach where there's a couple of songs they hate, obviously, mm. but they haven't had that career trajectory where there's been multiple albums where people have lost interest and there's been prolonged, there's been a clear like golden age and then a lot of stuff after. You can maybe argue Moon Type Pool. I don't know. But they've genu- generally kind of... With his hands there, everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what it looked like. Um, like he's balancing the scales of justice. But you know what I mean? I mean, most albums in the eyes of fa- and ears of fans are, in the ears of fans, are pretty, pretty consistent. There's stuff that everyone wants to hear. I just don't think it's an issue for them. And it's a weird one to call out. But yeah, maybe he panicked. I mean... Yeah, it doesn't seem like a beef. However, no, though, no. one person who would like to bury the hatchet in his beef is Machine Gun Kelly. We've spoken about Machine Gun Kelly and Corey Taylor of Slipknot fame having a bit of a row. Uh, on previous episodes of the show, it boils down to the fact that Machine Gun Kelly reached out and was like, do a track on my album, please. Corey said he w- might do one, and then yeah. was like, I'm not into it, actually, sorry. And essentially, Machine Gun Kelly started dissing him and giving out about Slipknot on stage. Corey Taylor was like, well, the reason he's giving out is because I wouldn't do a song on his shit album. And it stemmed from there, essentially. Yeah. It was, you know, rock star boys giving out about each other. Although, you know, you can argue... About how much of a rock star boy Machine Gun Kelly is. Boys will be boys. But he's been speaking about his uh, his issue here in his new Disney Plus documentary. <laughs> Doesn't get more rock star than that, does it? Life in Pink, uh, which actually I have Disney Plus and I saw it pop up there and I was like, am I going to watch this? Maybe. You are. <laughs> it's like an hour 40. I'll do it for the show. Um, so essentially he's elaborate on this because uh, Corey Taylor was speaking on an episode of something called Cutter's Rockcast. What the fuck is that? Um, so it's gone back and forth, but essentially Kelly has said he regrets it now. He could have handled it better. Uh, he said that situation's unfortunate because I think both of us let our egos get in the way. You know, I was a fan of Slipknot. I was a fan of Corey. He obviously had mutual respect too, because mm. he could have verse. Uh, I tried to give notes back, but, uh, respectfully he said no. I was like, okay. So he didn't use it. I could have handled it differently. I should have just picked up the phone and been like, hey, dude, why would you say that? But instead, we all acted ridiculous. Uh, it's very um, qualified, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Job and Arrested Development being like, look at us here. <laughs> Two girls with the first day of summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a fan of Slipknot. I was a fan of Corey. Mm. He obviously had mutual. Yeah, it's... it's um. <laughs> I don't love this guy, I'm gotta, I gotta say. I prefer Doja Cat. <laughs> yeah, I'm not mad about him. I think he's an okay actor, but, you know, we'll see where, the, oh, where yeah, this goes. Speaking good. of acting, and I guess our last news story is, they are, in fact, finally making a musical biopic. Biopic? Biopic? Biopic. Um, about, uh, yeah, biopic, but it should be biopic because it sounds better. <sighs> I don't know. Amy Winehouse, it's happening. Uh, it's been in the works for about four years now, and probably a bit before that as well. Sam Taylor Johnson of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey... Uh, is going to direct the story I have here describes her as Fifty Shades of Director. I think they, that's a bit of a typo. Um, there's been lots of people against this, uh, from family members to fans. Uh, people have said, we don't need this, we don't want this, especially with the documentary Amy Out in the World. Where do you stand on this? Do you want to see it? I don't. I don't want to see it um, at all. I think no matter how sensitively it's handled, doing this kind of film is only mythologizing um that kind of rock star downfall and sad passing and it was just it's still 2011 it's years ago now but it still feels very fresh in the memory 
we're obviously used to seeing kind of like those cliched rise and falls of musicians. There's usually decades in between the events and the current day, which kind of makes it easier, I guess, for for newcomers. But this one still feels really raw and... Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It just gives me bad vibes. There's maybe a story there to tell. I don't think you need to use her name. Um, and yeah, using her name just attaches all kind of connotations and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much against it. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it wasn't tastefully done, but I have very little interest in it. What I yeah. do have interest in, however, is our top five. And listen, if you thought we were having a laugh earlier on, we're going to get sad now. <laughs> because it's time to discuss Frank Ocean. Um, just bear with me one second, please. I need to just charge my phone. We'll do a little technical difficulties thing here as I move away from the mic. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a big Frank Ocean fan. World's greatest motor. World's greatest motor. He might be. Um, so Channel Orange turned 10 years young last Sunday, and it was the same day as my mother's birthday. Did I take the time to go onto YouTube, download a video, cut it on QuickTime, upload it onto Twitter, and say... Do numbers. <laughs> and say, and, 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 which ended up doing numbers. And celebrate Frank Ocean's birthday. Did I do all this before I called my mother? You're damn right I did. Priorities, man. Priorities, man. Um, So here's the thing. It's Frank Ocean. We're going to celebrate him. And I guess uh, we could start by saying, uh, when did you first hear him? How did you first hear him? Do you remember that um, a former Hot Press colleague of ours described him once as, quote, the least interesting member of Odd Future. Yeah, we won't reveal. Fuck me. Who that least interesting member of the Hot Press staff was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an odd one. Um, I uh, Probably around the time he hooked up with Odd Future, um, at the kind of turn of the decade, it was during that weird whirlwind where like, they were on um, news night when they'd come over to London and you'd have Paxman like frowning and they'd be interviewed about like, oh, you seem to be like hucksters selling all your merch to the kids and you curse a lot. Is it a howl of pain? (laughs) (laughs) Tyler would just be completely like dismissive of them and it was great. And it was a very strange addition to the crew, I thought, because he was like this secret weapon of like, He's the musical one. He's the one with the angel voice. He doesn't quite fit in with this already kind of um, ramshackle collective. I think he'd started off as like um, a bit of a ghostwriter. He'd been writing for other people. It didn't really, he couldn't, because he was a rapper. He was a singer. He could kind of do it all. I expected him to maybe be the side guy, the feature artist. And he's done a lot of that great stuff, but I didn't really see what was coming. Um First major impact was I remember getting like a downloading like a rar file. <laughs> I remember doing that a lot at the time. Um, actually, for legal reasons, I should say that I didn't do that. Of Nostalgia Ultra, um, Swim Good was an early favorite. Um, Strawberry Swing, just as kind of how all over the place the production was. Like you hear a lot of artists these days and over the past decade talk about like, yeah, genres don't matter anymore and um, we're breaking down barriers. But he felt like the first genuine one that it's just like, he's not, he's, he's not really hip hop. Um, he's kind of everything. And he became everything. You, Dave? Oh yeah. Um, I believe my often referenced friend, Adam possibly yeah. was the very first person to to share a song of his with me. 
might have put on a playlist or something. I, I could be wrong on this, but I think it was him. Um, anyway, the first song I heard by him was Novocaine. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> you know, like, beat. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's kind of been that upward trajectory ever since. I think as well, he's mostly been incredible on features like No Church in the Wild, mm. Wolves, and various other things as well. Um, it just cast a spell, really. Um, it took me a little while. Like, I didn't initially love Channel Orange, and I kind of was into it without embracing it. And it wasn't until Endless and Blonde came along that I really, really, like, okay, cool, tattoo this to my to my soul, please. Um, and then you go back to a Channel Orange, and you're like, oh, yeah, hang on, it's amazing. It's always been amazing. Why was I slightly reticent about this? Um, yeah, I mean, we talk about him on the show all the fucking time. I think Dahi before has joked, you know, he's like, he's like these guys, when they get counted by Frank Ocean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I think the, la- the last time we spoke about him was a news item about his... Um, Jewelry? Luxury yeah. brand, and we were kind of... He's um, losing us there, I think, yeah. Yeah, he did, like, his first interview in a few years, and it was with the Financial Times, and it was just a bit like, what are you up to, Frank? <laughs> but I'm also of the opinion that, like, whether it's that, or whether it's, you know, n- numerous gig cancellations, etc., you know, will we ever get to see him live? I don't know, I mean, like, I think between, the, especially between the two albums he's released you know it's a situation of he doesn't know us anything yeah what we have is amazing and when i put out that tweet at the weekend i you know i described it like channel orange is a modern classic i was going to use the word masterpiece but i was like well blonde's the masterpiece but i was like well hang on like can an artist have two masterpieces yes and frank ocean does so what we've done here is we've tried to assemble what we believe is the definitive top five Frank Ocean songs. We recognize that that's going to be a very difficult task. I did ask people on Twitter this week, and there was a, a wide range of responses, a lot more than five. Mm-hmm. So you have... Like the top um, ten. The top ten. I should say, to start off with, by the way, Super Rich Kids did not make the top ten. A lot of songs didn't make the top ten, Dave. It was... You could do three top tens, I would say. Maybe not four. <laughs> He's only been around for a while. Will we get into the top ten and just give a little flavor of what we'll missed go, out, maybe? We'll go ten to six before we get into the actual top five. Yeah, yeah just to give. That's By the way, I should mention, I've seen him live and it oh, was yeah. quite forgettable, which is why you can't remember. So I'm right in saying that this was in the Phoenix Park. Yeah. It was four-act bill. And yeah. I think if I... Were, I think... Okay, I wasn't there, but I believe Frank Ocean. Yeah. Heim. Yeah. Two-door cinema club. Yes. The Killers. Yes. What is that? It was bizarre. I was working. Um, I was alone. <laughs> In <laughs> like, every sense. I was there. The main reason I was there was to interview the Heim sisters. Oh, yeah. Um, As they were called at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sisters Heim. <laughs> they streamlined. They loved um, you, didn't they? Yeah, I've interviewed them a few times. Um, they're they're great to interview. Like they're just I, but I assume they're like that with everyone. You know what I mean? They're just like instantly kind of your best friend. Um, yeah, good rapport with them. And that interview was really really good. And no, sorry, is that the one the hot press titled "Their Haim is True"? No, that was the first one. Even though I'd supplied a head and a sub, and of and course, and the piece itself <laughs> says how you name. pronounce <laughs> the name, but the sub didn't fucking read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's how it goes. I wonder was it the least interesting member? Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I did the interview and promptly lost my recorder. Oh yeah. And yeah, just when I was sitting down in the grass or something by myself. And I think I lost it when I was sitting on a hill by myself watching Frank Ocean in a suit yeah. on a Saturday afternoon. It was roasting hot. He was on first, was he? He was on, I think he was on second. Um, and he was, I can't say it was memorable memorable it was his debut i think in ireland yeah and he just is seemed the, like he didn't want to be there i think it's the only time he's played here yeah i, would I was at oxygen in 2011 of future played it oh wow okay and i think he was there you think he was okay right 
And so he didn't leave a massive mark. I again, it was a long time ago. I yeah. don't remember if he was actually there or not. I remember uh, Fanula Jones saying that I think she's at the same gig, and she was just like, "It's it's almost like it didn't happen." Like you oh, know, one hundred percent. But I'm I'm now at a point where I'm like, I feel I don't know if I ever want to see him live. Sure, well, I don't I, I don't want to see him at, on a daytime on an outdoor yes, major stage. Yeah, yeah. Like, give me like a Vicar Street, which will never happen, or a three arena at best. Uh, and I, I've also accepted that I probably never will see him. Yeah, I think he is um, forging his own path. He's got his luxury brand. He's um, been very shrewd music career-wise. Um, kind of, does he own all of his own stuff now? He's certainly free from his contract. Um, very canny around merch and dropping stuff. So I'd assume he's doing okay. Yeah, he also um, yeah. he also resurfaced on Blonded Radio, which I listen to. In the because <laughs> I have Apple Music. <laughs> <laughs> right, top ten. All right, ten um, to six. At number ten. I didn't vote for this one, but it's an absolute masterpiece. <laughs> it tells you about the quality of this list. White Ferrari. White Ferrari was in my top five. Yes. I think White Ferrari is outstanding. And I found it. This was obviously a difficult task. And of course, you know, at one stage, I think when we um, when we were looking at the, the songs, I think you were like, that's just like, that's just ridiculous. Like, this is a ridiculous list of songs. Yeah. And then you were like, Frank Ocean, good at music. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, we're not going to spend too long on 10 to 6, but I will say, I think White Ferrari is a masterpiece. I think it's emotionally beautiful. Um, it's the kind of song that, to power paraphrase my colleague and Joe Hugh Carr um, he, I think he said that I think he I think he was joking but he might not have been he said uh, that he was in Tesco one day and this came on and he fell to his knees <laughs> and I'm like yeah it's, it would do it to you it's a knockout it's <laughs> Tesco <laughs> no was a big Tesco. I'll have to track that information down okay at number nine um, in my top five nights Mm-hmm. Masterpiece, emotionally moving. The we'll move on. Yeah. <laughs> the transition. <gasps> oh, transition. Yeah. Um, it was also used in one of those um, tweets of like, if you time it correctly on New Year's Eve for the transition. <laughs> and I've tried that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, at number eight, Lost, which is, I believe, now his most streamed song because yeah, it had I a big. You lost. Yeah. How is that his most streamed song? TikTok. It had oh. a moment. Yeah, it went viral. Oh, I'm not okay. sure what the actual trend was, or it was just being used a lot. Uh, but yeah. Surface level brilliance, I would say. <clears throat> yeah, he's kind of playing a character. It's not kind of doesn't have the emotional depth. Yeah, but that's it's not a, a knock. I mean, like he's. Oh, no, it's great. Like, it's, it's a great pop song. Pop classic. Yeah. Um, number seven, my first love, "Swim Good," which is um, has a bit more emotion to it. I always kind of compare it to. A lot of Kanye stuff. It's got those 808s. It references Kanye. The video's amazing in the samurai suit. Yeah. So good. <laughs> uh, number six, your first love, Novocaine. Yeah, Novocaine. Like I said, I've already given the backstory about it, but I will say that there was a tie. There was kind of like a four-way tie for fifth, really, yeah. this, uh, with this one. And uh, in unusual no-encore fashion, we kind of uh, solved it very, very fast. Yeah. You made a really strong case for the song that is number five, and I said, I'm okay with that because... I'm coming at Novocaine with a a personal formative thing and I think that there are arguments you made about the one that is number five so why don't we have our number five so this is the No Encore top five in a row in order best Frank Ocean songs you can get us on Instagram at No Encore Show uh, you can get us on Twitter at HandReadyDave at Slane at No Encore Show but we don't really use the, use the Twitter too much the point is if you're going to get mad that's where you can find us Let's go. And I don't like to fight till I'm fighting. Revenge in the air makes my lungs sick. Chopper in the sky like a gun trick. Clips on clips like Mike. It's really all. See both sides like Chanel. See on both sides like Chanel. It's really you on my mind. 
It's really you on my mind. It's really you. It's really you on my mind. It's Chanel from 2017, a standalone single. And like I say, we, we, we made the decision pretty quickly, but Craig had suggested the idea of Adam, Sonic Architect Adam, who of course is here in our wonderful eyesight right now, our eyeline, as maybe some kind of casting vote. And I said, no, I don't think it'd be necessary because I was kind of very quickly... Said, I believe you said, fuck Adam. <laughs> I said, I'm not bringing that guy into... This is between me and you. <laughs> this is what we've been... This goes back to the hot press days and God bless him, he wasn't there. No, no, Adam, I swear. I swear, Adam. Um, no, no, I said, I don't, I don't think it'd be necessary because I think I think this is going to... We were in agreement already. Yeah, yeah. But... Adam said, give me 10 minutes. When I said, between Novocaine and Chanel, what would you pick? And 10 minutes later, Adam came back with two lines, which I sent to you, and I think they summed it up quite perfectly. What did Adam say? To quote Adam, okay, so my thoughts are that Chanel feels more like the Frank Ocean that we know now, and that doesn't have anything to prove. Novocaine is a very good song, without question, but I prefer the performance, production, mix, and hook of Chanel. And that was kind of my thinking. Um, A man without anything to prove. I think we said recently that... Um, or I said that I wasn't terribly excited for a new Frank album just because of some of the more recent singles post Blonde. Um, I didn't quite know what direction he was going in. I was not talking about Chanel. It came out, I think, the March after Blonde. And at that point, it felt like real, like he's in his imperial face. Like he's just, it kind of succinctly pulls together a lot of strands in Blonde and that duality. And he just feels kind of above it all. Um so clever and yeah that production that kind of psychedelic stapler thing that's going on so sparse oh, that's amazing yeah every note's perfect the way he, when he takes flight it's amazing and lyrically he switches from like that really arresting kind of opening line of um, my guy pretty good like a girl and he got fight stories to tell he goes from that to talking about like trips to Japan and hiding having to hide tattoos in terms of burying his own feelings to like dealings with the police and the African American experience it's all inside one verse and it's just ah, incredible yeah, it's amazing. It's I think it's his, it's his best standalone single, his best Lucy yeah. by a mile. Um, apart from, of course, Jay Z's imperious verse on biking, which I know we all love, but um, <laughs> goes yeah. around. Goes that, around. that was an example of I think that was the same producer, um, Jeremy, and it's an example of like Frank will find the pocket in anything at that point, yeah. and just you can see what another accomplished artist just Jay Z is like, where do I come in? <laughs> like he's trying to like vamp over it. Yeah, but no, something has happened in the last couple of years with Frank Ocean. In that it's it seemed unfathomable, but it's probably a what goes up thing. I think standalones like Lens and Provider and whatever that weird kind of couplet he put out a little while ago. Yeah, in my uh, room, dear they, April. They haven't stayed in my brain, um, and I haven't really found myself even trying to kind of keep up with them. Uh, which is fine. I mean, we've had this deluge, which is funny because of course you're waiting years and years and years for Blonde, but to the point where it became its own meme. But Chanel, like, it could easily be on Blonde. Mm. It, there's the argument to made that it's better than some of the songs on Blonde. <laughs> yeah. Think about what we're talking about here. Uh, but it's yeah, it's you nailed it. It's the it's the duality of everything. It's him. At, maybe his most vulnerable as well. Very much Quite so. Quite a fearless yeah. song. A very beautiful song. A very inclusive song. And a gorgeous, gorgeous number. And I love that this is the number five because, as Adam kind of summed it up perfectly, as was already in your head, it is important to have. He's not the finished article, but it is an evolutionary thing and it's such a con could he have released the song in 2012 i don't know No, i don't think so and mm. i don't think anyone else is releasing this song now if you listen to channel orange it's incredible but you can kind of imagine other artists doing this this is just him in a plane of his own all right number four 
it's Nike's the opening track off Blonde. Uh, we all kind of exploded in some mirth there for a second, I think, because we didn't want to actually sit here and still and say nothing. Because if it happened, yeah. we'd probably just start crying or like sink into you know the quicksand of the couch. Uh, summed up really, really well by Nyler Nine on Twitter this week when I put out the call for give me your favorite Frank Ocean songs. Uh, he said it's weird and special, which I think is a really succinct and perfect way to describe it because it is. It is weird and it is very, very special. Um, when Endless came along, days before Blonde, of course, I found myself, as, as did many people, transfixed by the visual experience and what this was. And it's just, you know, what is it? What's it all about? Yeah. And I remember, like, I wrote a review of Endless and Blonde for Drowned and Sound when I was writing for them. It's one of my favorite things I've ever written. Um, you know, it's hard to, you know, single out your own stuff and say, that was good. Yeah, it was good. But it can take me years to get away from something and go back to it. And honestly, I do think I did a good job there. And mm-hmm. part of it was because you were like, I'm trying desperately to match what I believe is a masterpiece. And this whole compendium of things, this one-two punch are unbelievable. But like, you barely had a chance to breathe. And then this came out. And I remember on Apple Music, because that's where they premiered it or premiered the video for this. I remember putting it on and just being completely hypnotized. I was like, this shouldn't work. <laughs> Here's two minutes of pitch shifted baby vocals, you know, <laughs> that we, I, that can work, but also often can't work. And to this day, every time, every single time this starts and just that, that weird, like, it's almost like that bit in the Matrix when Keanu Reeves sticks his hand into the mirror and it gloms onto him. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like there's an audio form. Yeah. It's full on through the looking glass. This song is taking you somewhere else. It's taking you to a bacchanal, this weird party that you don't belong at. <laughs> Frank Ocean does. But I'm just so transfixed by it every single time. I think it's full of uh, a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain, a lot of melancholy, but it's so beautiful. And, you know, I, I find myself sometimes at the end of it, I'm like, oh, is he kind of messing it up now by just, you know, reverting to just kind of a casual hookup thing? And it's a bit, you know, like almost crass in its way. But I think that's the point. Like, this is this is Frank Ocean's Alice in Wonderland. And it's yeah. unbelievable. And it's unflinching. I think you need that kind of like he's, he's not shying away from like the ugliness or like the banal because it's all part of it. And it feels like a lot on Blonde, he's dealing with like archetypes and it's just bigger than any one incident. Um yeah, it's it's a strange song because, you know, as an opener, as an introduction, it feels like it's got its own like gravitational pull or something. Just those kind of synths. And yeah, you nailed it just in terms of like you're going to this party. It feels like it's probably the weekend weekend's party that Frank has now found himself at. <laughs> he's like the angel to Abel's devil or something like that. And it's just, it feels like it shouldn't work as well. The, the the pitch shifted vocals like it's it's you know heavily worked over and yet it's still way out of tune on purpose and it still sounds incredible and where's the structure like there's like it's there's no just real... this floating thing yeah. it's held together by his sheer kind of confidence in his art and sets the scene really well for for blonde um has some drums in it which disappear later on <laughs> the first weekend blonde came out we're obviously reviewing it for the pod um, this reminds me a lot this and Endless remind me a lot of working the very early shift in Newstalk oh yeah um, like I remember waking up at about 
half three or four in the morning for an early shift and endless to just come out. I think I messaged Rupi and like, new Frank Ocean, new Frank Ocean, <laughs> like four in the morning and had a taxi waiting for me outside in the pitch black and was like flying into like an empty Dublin. It was a starry sky with At Your Best on. Oh, <laughs> that was man. my introduction to that. <laughs> and then Blonde was me having to get up at the crack of dawn on the following Monday yes. and on the Sunday going for a run with it. Mm-hmm. And just being like, there's no drums, I can't run to this. <laughs> and getting annoyed at Blonde and not liking it for maybe an afternoon. I remember loving it. I was in Cullum's gaff. Uh, I think we must have been like watching wrestling or something. <laughs> and at like midnight on the Sunday or whatever, like all of a sudden it was Blonde is out. Yeah. Blonde is out. What the fuck? And we just stopped what we were doing and we started listening to it. But it was, it was of course, impossible to take it in in that regard. And even... You know, I, I, oh man, I, I'd be almost terrified to go back to that review that we did because, like, wh- how on were we? I do remember at the end of that year though when we did our because that's the first year the podcast was on, and it was like we did our end of year, and it was like we did our, you know, let's let's tot it all up, and of course, album of the year was blonde. All three of us voted at number one, so yeah. that's sixty points out of sixty points. It was yeah, just it was, like, and I think our top ten had like four songs from it. My top two tracks were blonde songs. <laughs> Uh, I still, I, I've been thinking about this, right? And I, I was, I was very close to doing it. I was very, I, I have the vinyl. Adam yeah. knows this. You're very close to opening it. I was very close to opening it. Then you thought about that sweet, sweet cash money. I looked up Discogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's still going it. for insane amounts of money on there. But like, I have a, a, an unopened copy of it. I got it in the the Black Friday thing that he did, and it, you know, it's it's got the slightest, the slightest of like creases in it because I guess. It just, that's how it was delivered, mm. but not enough for it to be like, whatever, like maybe it's not quote unquote mint, but I also think I'll never sell it. I think I want to have it forever, but yeah. I've never listened to it. I've never opened it. And on my birthday the other night when I was in my room on my own fasting, I, I was like, is <laughs> oh, this, is this, Frank the, would have loved that you to listen to it at that moment. I have this thing in my head. Uh, it's a joke thing in a way. I'm like, oh, I'm really going to come into my own when I'm 40. You know, I'll get a dog and I'll have gray hair. <laughs> but I, but I really have this thing of like. Is that when is that when I do it on on my on my fortieth birthday? Do I crack open blonde and pour myself a glass of whiskey, or do I never open it? Like, wh- what do you do? I mean, I because I don't know. Tell you what to do. No, uh, but the, but the prospect of hearing this—if uh, you know you're never going to sell it—then you should open it. I think. Mm, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's such a sonically gorgeous album that it's like crying out to be listened to. I know it's right there. Should have got two copies. I should have got one. I think I had it in the cart and just didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Adam's face there. Yeah. Wide open I think eyes. it cost me. It was I've got a couple of em- endless copies. You do, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it was like 50 euro, I think, like plus shipping. So, you know, a bargain. Yeah. Did uh, you get the magazine? No, unfortunately not. Adam, Adam Does is the magazine go for crazy voices? and turning away. I don't want to talk about how much I paid for it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, do you have an actual copy of it? Yeah. Where? Oh, wow. Oh, Did you okay. get at least yeah. a bit of a deal? Uh, no. no. <laughs> oh my god. I, I saved for Patreon.com. <laughs> no, I said it, it's like the one record I had when I was like starting my collection. I'm like, I'm going to pay I'm a holy save grail yeah. for this. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to love it. And I've listened to it about five times. It's incredible. Okay. Do it when you're 40. Right. Until then, here's number three in our top five best Frank Ocean songs. Forever. Oh, 
Yeah, I think about you. Um, the wondrous sounds there of John Mayer on the <laughs> six string, <laughs> really bringing a tasteful palette. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, the Saturday Night Live performance. Yeah, and what a performance! And Ooh. Pyramids of Leafy did as well, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Great ending to that. Um, this to me is like the this was the instant classic where it's just like this could be like a Motown song this is the one where if you're like if you're going to introduce your aunt at a party to Frank Ocean you're like oh he's got this song and they're like yeah that's the, he's pretty good it's just so opulent it's it's the complete opposite to what would come with Blonde though it does kind of thematically seed a few of those things but it's just like kind of perfect in its way um very tender, very raw. And again, it's a great example of how this could be as an R&B slash soul singer when he tackles that kind of direct style. He's obviously got the voice and it's more on the pure kind of angelic side than the, the way sometimes with R&B singers, you kind of feel like they're, they're pawing at you a bit. <laughs> <They're singing> to, <laughs> is that, I mean, is that right? Like, you can go a bit to one side. But even when he's talking about like the most <laughs> carnal stuff ever, you're kind of like, oh, Frank, you know better. <laughs> so, you're, so you're saying Frank wouldn't make it in a boys to men, for example. Oh, I don't know. Imagine That's interesting. That. Yeah, I just now want him to do a live show where he does all boys to men. But his whole thing is detachment, right? I mean, like yeah. th- this whole thing is just like, he's so wounded. This is one of the most wounded songs of all time. Detached, but you know, a very kind of forlorn love song where there's very specific details. A lot of his songs are about memories and he hones in on things. He can have the detached air, but the way he kind of clings on to things, it's not kind of like, oh, I miss you, baby. Oh, that meant so much. It's just like, here's specifically where I was. Yeah. Here's how you, here's how insecure I felt. This was the kind of car I was sitting in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's just, and that kind of tells more of a story. So were you in that kind of headspace when you had a tweet recently when you said, why would you use the word lonely when the word lonesome is right there? Oh, I stand by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's true though, isn't it? It's such a cool word. Lonesome? Lonesome. Yeah, it's better. I feel a bit lonesome. <laughs> I like Just yeah, in, yeah. you know, everyday use. It'd be it's kind of old worldy. Yeah. Uh, this is amazing. I can't not picture like Frank sitting on like a stoop in New York as the sun sets or something, you know, and people yeah. are gathering around him being like, I feel it too, man. You know, it's so inviting and, and there is hope in it as well, I think. Um, but it's just, it's unbelievable. I mean, and, and it falls in a weird place on Channel Orange as well, because you have to like the kind of the intro then you get a track, then you get fertilizer, and then you get this, I think. I think that's the order. Is this not the opener? No. Am I completely wrong? No, I think this is like track four. I was list- I've been... I, Adam's going to check it now. I've probably fucked it all up, but I feel like that's how it goes. There's like intro, song, interlude, and then Thinking About You. We have the, the PlayStation startup, which yeah, is incredible. Yeah. Thinking About You is the second song. It's the second song? Yeah. How did I have that wrong? That's baffling to me. Maybe you've got a playlist. Maybe I do. Maybe maybe it all. If you had the vinyl of Channel Orange, actually, there's never been a vinyl. Yeah, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. You think? I was thinking (sighs) it's the anniversary. He'll put something out just Mm. to kind of. It's ne- there's ne- there's never in. been one. No. So I know Adam got one before and it wasn't very good. Is that correct? Bootleg. Did you get a bad one? I got Endless for Bootleg and it's oh. awful. Okay, right, okay. Is it just a rip from like the video or something like that? I don't know what it is, but it's, it's really Well, bad. let me ask you this. Is it worth getting a Channel Orange bootleg? It, it totally depends because like the quality is just so up in the air. It's like it, it could be a swing and a miss. Yeah. But it could also sound fine. 
Okay. Say, cool. I, well, I wouldn't recommend. Uh, Adam doesn't have a mic, by the way, so ho- ho- hopefully this all sounds fine. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm able to make myself sound okay. It'll sound far away, but it'll sound okay. He's a pro. Um, I, I should never doubt him. I'm just, you know, you know, I, I want a maximum experience, much like this song. Um, yeah, it's stunning. I, I find it very hard to come up with any kind of anything new to say about this. It's one of the best love songs of all time. It's perfect. Frank Ocean distilled uh, that performance as well on Saturday Night yeah. Live is was, just heart-stoppingly beautiful. I was going to ask how you feel about the. Um, friendship between Frank and John, John Mayer, Mayer who's yeah. often been a bit of a punchline I guess yeah. he's, he's, he interests me more and more as years go by yeah, and I get less kind uh, of, not enough know, to like stringent. go and throw on one of his albums or anything but I mean like um, Bob Rock out now <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's a weird he, well he is on Channel Orange like like he is yeah, yeah. So, like, and he's talked like I've seen clips of him talking about how even now he'll be like Frank will be like I've got some new stuff and he'll like throw some guitar over it like he seems like quite an constructive intelligent dude to have around if you were creating maybe yeah you know I mean? especially now yeah. like smart move for him to be like of course I'll be on your album yeah, Frank yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine hanging out with John Mayer Frank Ocean and Brad Pitt because they they, they struck up a friendship as well so they talk about like cars and cognac and watches or this something. sounds like the best possible version of divorce core in, in, in the world you know like it's coming back it's it really back is. in a big way no um, the how do I feel about that connection yeah whatever I mean like he is great again on those two SNL performances because as Craig noted there is also a performance of Pyramids and John Mayer gets to do this insane lethal weapon guitar solo at the end yeah. while Frank plays the arcade machines <laughs> and it's un believable <laughs> so is this though and like uh, again so I put that up on on, on Twitter there uh, at the weekend and like uh, to my surprise it kind of took off a bit and it was clearly making its way around like American Twitter and stuff because I was like where are all these accounts from people were like quoting it and saying stuff like you know well when I was pregnant with my baby I used to play them, play this for him and I was like oh that's a nice thing but somebody replied and they were like they were like and John Mayer there a generational superstar <laughs> he said just taking the dark spot on the stage you know like staying away from it it shows you how much respect people have for Frank Ocean I've never heard a bad word I've never heard a bad word it doesn't mean that there haven't been bad words I just yeah maybe he's just so in the shadows that we don't know this song is shadow like though it's incredible it's never stopped being amazing I think it's timeless legitimately and to be honest with a top five like this there's obviously going to be some well that has to be in there has to be in there yeah I couldn't fathom a top five without I was concerned we this. weren't being hipster enough, but I think we've got to struck a right balance. I think so. And with that in mind, we'll move on to our <laughs> our number two in the top five Frank Ocean songs. I was dreaming when you said you loved me. The start of nothing. I had no chance to prepare. I couldn't see you coming. The start of nothing. Ooh, I could hate you now. It's quite alright to hate me now When we both know that deep down The feeling still deep down is good Speaking of wounded, uh, I just I looked over and Craig was leaning back, looking up at the skylight there, and then at the lovely exhale. Okay, yeah, okay, Craig, uh, you got religious there. You got pious. Talk to me. It's this Ivy. is Ivy. Yeah, this was my number one. Nice was my number two on that year end listing. Um, it's so cool. Yeah, this is very much the hipster. It's him doing indie rock. A lot of Blonde is very rock based. I think more so than hip hop or. Um, there's strong Beatles influences. Who's on guitar here again? This is Rostam, yeah. um, formerly of Vampire Weekend. But it sounds, it initially sounded to me purely like uh, the Walkman, those kind of surf guitars and that tremolo effect. Um, well, it would have been, the, the Hamilton Lighthouse hookup would have been happening around that time. 
Um, yeah, well, actually 100% would have, so that makes a lot of sense. But he has spoken about it being cribbed from, not the cribs, uh, <laughs> the strokes, the guitarist in Under Control, he had as a specific reference point. So guys, if you want to go listen to Under Control, that totally works as well. And it has that very dreamy um, quality to it, which is, it does, it's quite direct, but also it does feel like that kind of shimmering TV effect as you go back to the past, which he is doing here, pitching up his voice again to, I think, purposely sound like a kid on it. And uh, yeah, this is another one where you can spend like a long time with the lyrics and get on genius and be like, what exactly is he saying? And oh, ivy, does it mean ivy? Because like the ivy plant, like anything it grows on, it will eventually kind of strangle and it's bad for and suffocate. And the message seems to be like my takeaway was like for for a long time, it's quite Zen-like, even though he's kind of saying it was the start of nothing. He feels like there's no hard feelings. But then that ending where he goes kind of, pure like prince in a rage throws yeah. down the guitar yeah. and just starts screaming and it's just like oh no he is like stuck in a cycle of being hung up on someone or a memory and it's really not good for him yeah prince was the reference point i was gonna make actually this is like his most prince song i think yeah kind of new wave prince yeah which you know on paper sounds like it would be a very different song um yeah this feels like the most finished, unfinished song, I think, ever, maybe, possibly. So sparse. Because, yeah, that ending where it's like you hear, like, the crashing, you know, it feels like he's just given up uh, on, not on life, but on the song. And it's like... I'm on track two. I'm on track two, yeah. And it's like, and I'll, I'll nail it tomorrow. But, of course, in a Frank Ocean song, you've already nailed it, haven't you, mate? It's impossible not to hear or worship the guy, especially in a top five like this. Um, I think even before, like, some people were like, is, is Blonde that good? I'm like, yeah, mm, it is, <laughs> this yeah. is track two <laughs> on Blonde. Um, yeah, it's incredible. It didn't make my top five, though. It was it was neck and neck with Novocaine. I picked Novocaine for the personal kind of, you know, formative reason. Sure. Yeah, I think this was the one I gravitated towards really when Blonde came out. Mm. And it, it probably might be my indie rock bias because he is in that. Like, this is kind of, you know, uh, catnip for people that grew up listening to yeah, that kind of music. It's got a lot of dream pop in it though as well. Very dream pop. I like that too, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Can I interest you in a band called My Buddy Valentine? Uh, never Crack heard of him, but I'll give him a go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, this is, I, I don't have that thing where you can see music, but I maybe to like the slightest possible degree of it, because if, if Nike's is this dark, dark, dark abyss, mm. <laughs> this coming straight out of it is the sunshine creeping through. Like I yeah. just I see light when I hear those opening chords. Yeah, very much. Channel Orange to me is a very sunshiny album. Like sure. it feels almost like an Instagram filter with like actual emotion attached to it. But wow. Blonde by and large is very dark and grey, and this is one of those moments where you just have that that kind of that callback. It's like the kind of smell of freshly cut grass or something, just for a moment, and then it's taken away. Well, I'll uh, I'll find out what that sounds like on vinyl in two years. In the meantime. Um, if you scratch the vinyl yeah. before you play, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> number one, right? I oh. mean, I mean, I. <laughs> oh. Number one, right? I mean, I thought it, I thought it would be. Yeah, I, it was my number one. Was it your number one? Um, in the top in the list that we did. Um, no, it was my number two. Interesting. I, I mean, I, I I really did think this. I, I thought about putting Nikes up there to kind of bump it up a bit further, but. I, I think it, it has to be this. Uh, I, it's probably really obvious to the listener, but I just don't see... Like, this is the definition of terroring. I think that this is uh, a novel. <laughs> it's so unbelievably confident. It shouldn't work. It's more than one song. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Here's our number one. Oh, 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 they have to- 
with ya Run, run with ya Back for my love Bring her back to me Jesus Christ. Can we uh, listen to the whole thing? <laughs> it's Pyramids off Channel Orange. It's Pyramids, everybody. Um, I do think that that moment, that kick in, that synth thing, that's a real where, where you when. Yeah. The first time you hear this, it is genuinely like fucking uh, Michael J. Fox with the phone. Like what, what, like, what is this? Like this weird sound from the future that I'm hearing. It's still... It's still 10 years on, packs the biggest... Like, if you were doing anything, if you were defusing a bomb, if you were breaking up with somebody, if you were getting married, whatever you're doing in your life, you have to be... This comes on, you're like, I'm oh, sorry, just one second. Sorry, no, I have yeah. to... Yeah. Um, you have to tune out the world. It's unbelievable. I said to you, uh, you asked me to repeat this on the show, I said to you about how... I was like, I'm fine losing Novocaine from the top five for a bunch of reasons, and here's one of them. I said, I think I said to you, yeah. well, Pyramids is the alpha version of Novocaine. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> so throwaway, but it was like, yeah. It I, I didn't mean it as like the alpha bro version. I meant no, like, like the kind of evolved version of yeah. Yeah, it is like the definitive prime. The urtext of it. <laughs> it's the urtext. Uh, this song is unbelievable. How the fuck are we going to talk about it? I, I don't know, because I don't <laughs> even know. Show, <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. With you, with, like, his other songs, you can kind of go, uh, you know where a starting point might be. You wouldn't be able to start where he starts or complete it. I don't know where you'd start with coming up with a song like Pyramids. It's so labyrinthine and it's just... It's so clearly side A, side B as well. But even within that, there's passages where you're like, you could you could extend this and create an entire EP just around this kind of like dance break. Um, and it's his like bohemian rhapsody. <laughs> and yes, it's kind of, it's verging on the ridiculous, but because of his execution, it's dead serious. You just feel like you're in a movie. Um and it's dealing with so much. It is a novel, as you said. It's like, it feels like it's taking in the whole span of human history. Um, lots of kind of subtext to it, dealing with, I guess, feminism and the African-American kind of woman's um, experience through the centuries. Really interesting kind of juxtaposition between the pyramids and strip clubs and stuff that's like, oh, that shouldn't work. Totally works. Alchemy. Alchemy. It's such a stride. It climbs. It absolutely yeah. does. It stalks. It's incredible. And yeah, it goes from this kind of strange otherworldly nature to, you know, she's working at the pyramids night and it becomes this extremely sad lounge act yeah. all of a sudden. But it's never depressing. I never come away from this feeling defeated. No, it's exhilarating, yeah. even in that, those kind of slower moments, because it's, it's just so alive. It's just so vital. Um, and you're just wrapped listening to it. Yeah, and again, you know, that Saturday Night Live performance, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, it is it is something else. He is something else. It's just, I could sit here all day and not find the right words because he's already found them in such an unbelievable fashion. And again, like this song, this fucking song, it's just, it's life affirming. It's so, so, so powerful. And it's it seems effortless. How did he do it? 
Adam, your production whiz. Adam is currently know? looking up uh, Channel Orange vinyl online. <laughs> can't, can't sell it on Discogs, everybody, because it's a bootleg. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. Isn't it? mm. Like it's. I feel very influential as well, right? Oh, like yeah. it's just yeah. so much of like what came in hip hop thereafter. I think it, like it opened up the possibilities of what could be done and still be popular. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I mean, it was. How was it for you, by the way? Going back to Channel Orange, as I assume you did yeah. in the last few days. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's. I probably go back to it more than Blonde, just me because too. Blonde takes no. more out yeah. of me. Yeah, and. Yeah. Channel Orange is just a different beast. It's a, it's kind of a pop album. The summer album. The summer album. It's a, it goes down very easy. Um, and yeah, I think that's a masterpiece as well. I think he's like two as close to ten out. Of, uh, there is no tens, as we all know. But the, um, <laughs> his batting average is very high. Nine point eight. <laughs> en- endless. By the way, I don't sleep on endless. Some endless incredible stuff. Rush I, just made my top ten. Yeah, yeah. I thought about it, getting some stuff in, but yeah. I was like, mm, I don't know. Um, Richard Chambers, aforementioned Richard Chambers, did playfully mention. I think he was being playful. He was like, slide, slide. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, it's Calvin Harris song. He's like, it's a Frank song. Yeah, I'm it's like, a Calvin no. Harris song. It's his highest. If it was considered a Frank song, it would be his highest charting song. Although I was like, this is going to be sound of the summer, and I think it got to like number twenty five. It didn't. You hear it here and there, but yeah. it didn't take over. I was like, sure, this was going to be the moment Frank became pure mainstream, mainstream like yeah. the weekend levels. I don't want it to become he mainstream. Didn't want, he doesn't want that either. Good. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, Maybe we should buy some of his bracelets, keep him going. Yeah, I'll start with the I'll start with the, uh, with the Channel Orange bootleg <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. now. Um, in the meantime, that was our top five of the least interesting member of Odd Future, <laughs> Frank Ocean. <laughs> and uh, happy with that. Feel a bit spent, as you should after one of these top fives. Yeah, I think being in person as well added an emotional we weight. Jewel, to we proceedings. came together on this one. Yeah. So. And yeah, so that's the show, everybody. Um, I, we must actually put up the No Encore bingo card on Instagram because we haven't done that yet. So there's a No Encore bingo card, by the way, for like things that we say on the show all the time. Um, I think we could have got a we got bingo on this. One. It, it, yeah, same of Tan and Felix fame. Stream Tan and Felix. Uh, they he uh, put it together, and uh, yeah, it, it it could need updating. I don't know because we we say a lot of things, <laughs> and we've said a lot of things on this episode. It's been beautiful to be here with you, by the way. Yeah, ditto. Let's um, do this more often. I hate the word ditto. I can't believe I just used to ruin the episode there. <laughs> but it's been great. I love you guys. I love you guys. And I love you, listener. Yes. Uh, check out the show. Check out the show. You're already listening to it. Check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash noencore. Tell a friend about the show. And check out Frank Ocean. If you haven't already, I, I can't imagine anyone who listens to the show regularly doesn't listen to Frank yeah. Ocean. But... I hope we've steered you. If not, though, I hope we've steered you in the right direction. It's kind of impossible not to. He's just that good. My name is Dave Hanratty. (laughs) 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 Oh, sorry. Of course. Thank you so much to our own uh, wonderful, the most interesting member of No Encore. Yes. The amazing Sonic Architect Adam Shanahan, (laughs) whose studio we're in, of course. And thank you for having us. Greatly two buses, appreciated. But totally worth it. Worth every bus. <laughs> He's got two buses. My name is Dave Hanratty. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye. Stay safe. Listen to Frank Ocean. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.